0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter Your Life is Too Short and Too Precious to Waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Hello, everyone. This episode is something, well, it's something
1: really different from what I usually do on Truce, but I think you're going to like it.
0: Yeah.
2: Am I right? Is that better?
1: This is Jackie. She's one of my good friends. Let
0: me practice my dreamy voice. Hey,
1: Jackie, thanks for doing this. Hey,
0: you're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Intelligent, hilarious. She's a single mom, a ball of energy, and we're in the same improv comedy group.
2: I'm so happy to be here. Are you really? Yes, always.
1: During the recording, we were wearing masks because of COVID, which is why it may sound a little muffled. So we're in, in my room, where I record most of the podcast. Which stuff. is already
2: really interesting.
1: It's, it's really it fascinating. It is. It's
2: super interesting.
1: <laughs> so much to see. And so what we're doing now is we're looking at the property tax records for T- Teton County, Wyoming, where I- we both live. I know. Property. Tax records sound boring, but listen to how much fun we were having. Uh, first of all, we have to come up with a code name. Okay. Okay, so um, mm-hmm. lives in our town. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest movie stars in the world. Mm-hmm. We're going to call him, um, I don't know, what do you think, Mr. Actor Man? Sure. This actor has been in some of the biggest movie franchises in history. You definitely know who this is. Okay, so here's your house. Mm hmm. On the property tax records,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so we're going to look at this is how much you paid in total in 2020, and for Jackie's property in 2020, she paid one thousand seven hundred thirty-two dollars. And you've got, if I'm not mistaken, zero point one three acres. Got it. In your house, which is great. It's such a great house, and I love it. I love visiting. Thank you. Jackie's home is in a housing development in a special category. It's an affordable lot, which means she gets a property tax break because of a local program to help people who live and work here. So we're going to just zoom out and go across uh, just maybe, I don't know, two miles as the crow flies. We're going to go over here. To Mr.
2: Actorman's house? To Mr. Actorman's house. Aren't you excited
1: to see what he pays in property tax? I'm very excited. He owns a whole bunch of properties over here. They're bright green on the map. Yes. And we're gonna select this one over here. Okay. If you look at the acreage, it says, what does it
2: say? 47.78.
1: That's a lot more land than you. Oh yeah. That's like a considerable amount of land. (laughs) Right. And tax information, we're gonna see he paid in 2020.
0: What? (laughs) Oh my gosh,
1: why is that? How much did he pay? $712.43. And that's
0: just a thousand
1: less. It's like you pay like two and a half times as much property tax as Mr. Actor Man. Wow. One of the biggest actors in the the world. Wow. That's wild. You have way less land than he does. And that's the subject of this episode. Why does one of the wealthiest actors in movie history pay less in property tax than a single mom who lives on way less land. It's a story of tax breaks, wildlife, the true West, and dramatic inequality. How does that make you feel?
2: (laughs) (gasps) Well, um, I feel like he might owe me something, like (laughs) at least like lunch or something an autograph. In a, an autograph a smile he doesn't even give smiles very no no I, very generously yeah.
1: you're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the christian church usually this is the second episode in a row where we're not really going to talk about christianity because i need you to understand this story before we get into the religious stuff but we will still press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Sterren and this is Truce. Okay, so what gives? Why is a single mom paying way more in property taxes for way less land? There are several reasons. This is a story about a small town in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. It's also the story of every town USA and the growing gap between the ultra-wealthy and everyone else. Teton County, Wyoming is a wilderness paradise. It encompasses some of Yellowstone and all of Grand Teton National Park, tons of national forest land. Millions of people travel here every year to look at animals, buy tchotchkes, and to partake in outdoor recreation. All of this natural beauty attracts not just visitors, but those looking to build a life near wild spaces. But where? There's only so much available space to build on. 97% of the county is preserved. You know, all that public land we just talked about. The parks take up a lot of real estate, leaving just 3% for all of the people who live here. 3%. Think about how small that is. The available supply of land is tiny. Now, you're probably familiar with the concept of supply and demand. Essentially, if you want the price of something to go up, you either decrease the supply or increase the demand. Let's say that the best band in music history is playing a concert, their last concert ever. If they perform the concert in a stadium that seats, I don't know, 70,000 people, the price of a ticket may not be that high because there are lots of seats available. Now, what if that same awesome band limited their ticket sales to just 10 people? (gasps) Only 10 people in the world could ever witness their last show. Now, you've restricted the number of tickets available, the supply, but the demand is still huge because there are 69,990 people who will no longer get to see this legendary performance. The price, you'd imagine, would go up. That is basic supply and demand. Something similar is happening here in Jackson. Just 3% of the total land in the county is buildable. The supply is already restricted, making the cost of living very expensive. Right off the bat, there isn't a lot of property to build on because of public land. Of course, houses cost millions of dollars. There are only so many of them. And Jackson is the wealthiest town in the wealthiest nation, attracting a certain clientele. There are lots and lots of mansions here. That cachet pushes up the cost of living, which is why the median home price in Teton County is $2.2 million. That's right, $2.2 million is the median home price. That there is how the typical real estate conversation goes here, and that's where it usually ends. Limited supply high demand from rich people. But in reality, that's just where it starts to get interesting. There's also a way to take that tiny bit of available land, that 3%, and make it even smaller, legally and profitably. Hold on to your hats. We're talking about conservation easements. Now, conservation easements. The words themselves sound boring, right? But these things are actually fascinating. They are everywhere and have been for quite a while. Here's how the story goes. As the United States spread west and cities and towns sprouted, people started to realize, hey, there's only so much available land in the world. If we turn all of this into houses, factories, fast food restaurants, and strip malls, there are going to be significant issues. Where will people recreate? How will wild creatures survive if there is no wilderness? Shouldn't we save some of this wilderness for posterity? One way to preserve land is through government-funded parks, like Yellowstone, Grand Teton, Yosemite, and the Grand Canyon. Preserve the land to keep it from getting developed, but allow people to use it for hiking, biking, boating, and camping. While building on the land is restricted, can still be used for other activities. To test this out, I went with my brother and friend Dave up to Yellowstone National Park before the roads opened to cars in the spring. We biked 28 miles to the Norris Geyser Basin to grab some audio. It's Sunday, April 11th, and I'm at Norris Geyser Basin, a uh, part of Yellowstone that anybody can visit in a car, but we happen to be here the last weekend that this is only accessible by bike or by hike. So we've gone 28 miles just to get here. That's the beauty of public land, though, is that we anybody with a park pass uh, can get in this uh, area and witness this special space. That's the beauty of public land. There's like 10 people here. And normally in the summer, this would be really, really crowded. You can pretty much hear how excited I was to be there. We had all these boiling, bubbling hot pools to ourselves. This is the sound of the boiling. The beauty of public land is that anyone can use it to hike or bike, or even to record steam and bubbling water percolating from the ground. That's not the only option, though. There are other ways to preserve land, but also still use it. Much of Wyoming is owned by the government. It's government land, kind of like the national parks, but instead of keeping it pristine, private companies can purchase the right to, say, cut timber, drill for gas or oil, and mine minerals supposedly with the intention that the government will oversee the activities there and protect habitat. Public land is therefore not just for bird watching, but can also finance the government itself while keeping the country energy independent and supplied with timber. Those are two ways to protect land. Open it to the public through parks or contract it to private companies. Both are really popular here in Wyoming. There, of course, are drawbacks to those kinds of conservation. First of all, they are expensive because the government has to hire people to oversee and patrol all that space. Zion operates a bus system with roads that have to be maintained. Natural gas fields have to send inspectors to look at the wells. Arches has medical staff to take care of all the people who don't take water into the desert into the desert, you guys. I've seen it. It doesn't make sense, but it happens. We need people to rescue those knuckleheads. Building roads, hiring archaeologists, studying wildlife habitats, all that costs money. Another downside is that we may only be preserving pretty open spaces. What about mainstays of rural life like family farms? As urban sprawl spills out from cities, Farmland is being gobbled up by housing developments, which is why you see deer, coyotes, and bear wandering through people's backyards. They've got no place else to go. Should Uncle Sam swoop in and buy up even more land? As we said, that comes with high costs. So the U.S. created another option. What if the government paid people to preserve their own private land? There are some pretty attractive aspects to this idea. No need for park rangers or maintenance, and animals still have open spaces. Waterways are protected. Trees and algae have places to grow, and then they produce oxygen. It's better for the environment than leaving it to the open market, and less hullabaloo for the Department of the Interior. This practice originated in the 1930s and 40s, when the government paid private landowners not to build in sight of the Blue Ridge Parkway. It then kind of died off for a while there. Then certain states got involved. 1964 was the first time the IRS gave a tax break for easements that were adjacent to highways, as a way to promote highway beautification. The provisions were expanded the next year and then made permanent in 1981. This preserved private land was accomplished by what is known as conservation easements. And here's how they work. Pretend I've got a big plot of land that I want conserved. I don't. I don't even own the land my desk is on right now. This is Pretend. What I can do in this imaginary scenario is work out an agreement with a government-approved organization, like a land trust. Pleasure doing business with you. The land trust holds on to certain rights, and those rights are different with each conservation easement. Like, say, that I can't build over a certain amount on that land. I promise I won't build a housing development. In exchange, I get a tax cut. The amount of the tax cut has changed over the years but it's important that we paint a picture here because this can be really profitable for some people. I got the following example from the Land Trust Alliance. It works something like this. Let's say I earn $50,000 a year as a podcaster. I don't even come close to that, but let's pretend. I'm going to throw some numbers at you, so do your best to follow me. Say I own a plot of land valued at a million dollars. With a conservation easement, I can deduct half of my yearly income on my federal tax returns. I just earn myself a $25,000 a year deduction. You know, because I make $50,000, I get a deduction of 50%, which comes out to twenty-five dollars not just for this year, but for the next 15 years. That's a lot of math. But if you're gonna walk away with just one statistic from this example, let it be this. Across 15 years, the tax benefit of this hypothetical situation totals $400,000 in deductions. That's a huge savings, just for placing restrictions on my backyard. But wait, The tax incentives get even bigger if you're a farmer. Let's say I have a different swath of land. This plot is a family farm. Now, it's expensive to operate a farm. Cows need a lot of land, which means more property to tax. I can work with a land trust in my area, giving over certain rights. I promise I won't build a factory here. And the land trust says, Thank you. And we're in business. I've gotten my conservation easement. As a podcaster, I was able to deduct just 50% from my income. As a farmer, I can deduct 100%. In other words, if I earn $50,000 as a farmer, I can deduct $50,000 for the next 15 years, or $800,000 in total. Again, if I claim the land is used for farming, I can deduct 100% of my income. And, this is an interesting nugget, just because my plot of land is designated for conservation does not necessarily mean I can't use pesticides. And it doesn't mean that I have to grow native plants. Even though my land is preserved, it doesn't mean that I have to maintain it like parkland. Conservation easements make it easier for families to pass farms down from generation to generation. And it takes some of the burden off of one of America's most prized people groups. We love to lift up farmers. Those are some of the benefits of conservation easements. They protect family farms, beautify highways, and preserve wild spaces and historic places. Which, you know, all sounds great. But there is a dark side as well. After the break, we return to my friend Jackie to find out why she pays so much more in property tax than one of the biggest actors in film history. I'll give you a hint. It has to do with conservation easements. Plus, we'll talk about how conservation easements are being used to keep poor people out of the wealthiest county in the United States. Stay with us.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and County, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. 9 Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind the scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. 9 Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com/audio to learn more. Welcome back. Before
1: the break, we set out to understand conservation easements, what they are and why they are central to the strategy of those wishing to protect the environment, and how they benefit those who can afford them. Let's return to my friend Jackie from the beginning of the show. We know why conservation easements make a difference to federal income taxes. But why is Jackie paying more in local property taxes than one of the most successful movie stars in history. And what does any of this have to do with you and me? Believe me, this stuff impacts you right where you are today. First, we need to understand how property taxes are calculated. To do that, I visited Teton County Assessor, Melissa Shingle.
2: So the assessor is charged with valuing property uh, within a county for taxes.
1: She doesn't set the tax rate. Her team simply figures out how much property is worth, essentially the value of the land, and the tax rate is calculated from there. So how is the value of a property assessed?
2: We break the county into what we call neighborhoods so that we have smaller buckets of areas to deal with. So that's the first thing. We try to find a homogeneous area to compare The properties to each other, um, you know, depending on its location or maybe it's, you know, up on, they're all up on a hill or just similar characteristics is what we're looking for.
1: Where is the property? What kind of neighborhood is it in? What amenities does it have? What is the condition of the buildings? If the place is falling apart, it's not going to be as valuable as a
2: home that has just been remodeled. If uh, you're located next to you know, a sewer treatment plant or, or a, a, a dump or a gravel pit that's excessively noisy, all of those things may play into um, those values.
1: The second thing they look into is how much the other homes in the neighborhood are going for. If it's a valuable area to live in, then the value of your property goes up.
2: So certainly the characteristics of your home plays a huge role in your valuation. But then the sales that are occurring in your area is the true driver.
1: That is the conventional way that land is valued. What is the condition of the property, and what are comparable plots going for? I mean, simple enough, right? Now we can all become junior assessors. <music>
2: eh, that's not
1: quite it. There are other things that can change the value of the land, like conservation easements.
2: And in the past, those have been assigned kind of a special value, Um because in the past, the expectation was that if it's conserved and you cannot do anything on the property, meaning build a house or, or subdivide it or whatever, the belief was that it devalued the property. Um, and so that it shouldn't be, you know, valued at full market value because somebody couldn't do as much with it. Unfortunately, in Teton County, conservation easements have quite the opposite effect on value. There's definitely no devaluing because of, of a conservation easement. In fact, you know, appraisal theory in, would suggest that being even located next to a property with a conservation easement would make yours more valuable because you would kind of have your space protected as well. A
1: conservation easement may actually boost land values. Because adjoining homeowners know that the view they have out their window is the same as it will be 10, 20, 50 years in the future. There will always be a private park next door. No loud neighbors, no gravel pit, no sewage treatment plant. So, okay, so these properties are valuable on the open market. We've established that, right? You would think that the taxes on that property would reflect that reality. No because the rate for conservation easement land in Teton County has not changed for a long time. It's not tied to the actual value of the land like normal properties. According to Melissa, the state of Wyoming said that conservation easements could not be valued more than agricultural land. Up until this year, 2021, and this is important, the value of the land with conservation easements was assessed at 7 cents per square foot. That's not how much it was taxed. That's how much it was worth in the eyes of the assessor. Like, I should be able to go out and buy that plot of land under my foot for 7 cents. And believe me, I can't do that. In other words, no matter how much a piece of property was sold for, no matter what amenities it had, so long as it had a conservation easement on it, it was worth $3,049 per acre. On the open market in Jackson, that one acre plot of land would sell for over a million dollars or more. Like, really. But as far as the Teton County Assessor was concerned, it was worth only $3,049. So, let's take it back to Jackie. She doesn't live on a big, sprawling ranch. Her home is on a small chunk in a housing development. Right now, as you remember, she's paying about $1,700 in property tax per year. If her land was valued the same way as a celebrity with a conservation easement, she'd be paying just $22.81. Again, if she was taxed the same way as Mr. Actor Man, she'd go from paying over $1,700 to just $22.81. And the weird thing is that she's on what's considered an affordable lot. She already gets a property tax break because of a housing program she took part in to help people who are not millionaires. Yet, even with the break, she's paying way more in property tax than some of the wealthiest people in the country. Maybe now you can see why I wanted to take this detour into conservation easements. Why this obscure thing is really important it's an indicator of dramatic inequality. Because Jackie and thousands of people like her have no access to these tax breaks. Her land is too small to get a conservation easement. Nothing historic happened there, and it's not a vital animal habitat. And there's more. Remember, We were just talking about local property taxes. Remember, people holding conservation easements also get massive federal tax benefits. More if their land is a working farm. If you've ever wondered why Hollywood celebrities and rap icons own ranches in rural Wyoming, now you know. Because by raising horses, sheep, cattle, or crops, they can deduct an unbelievable amount of money from their federal tax returns. And the money they invested in their land gains value, despite the restrictions. All of that sounds great for celebrities and for wildlife. But what does it do to poor and working people? Remember the beginning of the show where we talked about supply and demand? If you limit the supply of land to a certain desirable area, it raises the value of the property around it. In Teton County, Wyoming, 97% of the land is already protected. It's one of the reasons the cost of living is so high here. There's only a small area to build on. But wealthy people here are using conservation easements to further restrict the market. It makes the value of their land go up and keeps working people out of their neighborhoods meaning poor and working class people who live here are forced out that leaves only a few options either they live with many people crammed into an apartment or they drive in from far away over a dangerous mountain pass or through canyons that are prone to slides and are covered in deadly ice on a good day it's about 45 minutes to get to those outlying communities but it usually takes much longer because of traffic, construction, and bad weather. That's an hour and a half to two hours every day that they don't get to spend with their families. Working people here have to choose between cramming into a small house or risking their lives to commute. And the reason for that is because wealthy people are restricting the amount of available land. I should note that this is not just a Teton County phenomenon. If you took all the conservation easements across the country and bundled them together, they would be larger than the state of Indiana. This stuff is in your region, too. Advocates for conservation easements argue that they are a valuable tool to protect America's character. Its wild animals our water and air. Critics see conservation easements as a way to subsidize the backyards of the ultra-wealthy. Remember, this is not like the national park system or national forests where you and I can go camping, hiking, or whatever. I can't just go biking or camping on Mr. Actor Man's lawn, even though my tax dollars paid for it. Critics see conservation easements as government-subsidized private land. COVID has made all of this much worse in places like Teton County. As wealthy people flee cities and look for places they can socially distance, rather than being trapped in a high-rise. Because of that migration, recently, smaller towns have seen dramatic rises in real estate prices. To learn about this, I spoke with Ryan Block. He's a real estate agent with Jackson Hole Real Estate Associates. The rumor is, and you know, this is a small town, people talk, right? So we all hear rumors, I don't know how much of it's true. But the rumors have been that there have been people buying two, three houses sight unseen. Have you guys seen any of that?
0: You know, in Jackson, we've always had, you know, the story of people coming and buying and actually not ever coming, just buying something sight unseen. Um, That's never really happened to me. Um, but, But in the past year, it has.
1: You heard that right. People are buying multiple houses sight unseen in one of the most expensive markets in the United States and the location of these buyers has changed
0: as well. Last summer was every other buyer or more than every other buyer was out of San Francisco. (laughs) Um, Typically the buyers were coming from those urban areas in California, Chicago, uh, New York City, There definitely was a push uh, to get out of the city.
1: As people left big cities, those of us already living in small towns felt the pinch as the market rose to the place where we could no longer compete. The supply has gotten restricted while demand skyrockets. We have this image of the West as a region built by cowboys, rogue independents who didn't need government help to establish themselves. A place where anybody could make it if they worked hard enough. We know now that that's not true. Many cowboys worked for large cattle barons and were generally low income. Many ranches were run by corporations in distant towns. The West is not local, and it's not equal. We talked about that in our last episode about the Johnson County War. In the late 1800s, cattle barons swept across Wyoming in a killing spree without any real repercussions for their crimes. They did that in hopes of pushing poor people out of central Wyoming so they could build their fortunes. The modern West is clearly different from the Old West. The governor of Wyoming is not, as far as we know... Party to a murder squad. But the West is still the West. Wealthy people are still using the government to push poor people out. But instead of using guns, they are using government tax loopholes like conservation easements. On a personal note, I recently had to move out of the house I've been renting in Teton County for 11 years. It took me 7 weeks to find a new place to live. Not because I was being picky but because there are just no places for working people to live. And the process of building more homes is too slow to keep up with demand and, in my opinion, is being done for show and not with any real desire to solve the problem. Meanwhile, the amount of buildable land shrinks with every new conservation easement. Even families that have lived here a long time struggle to keep the family home because property taxes keep going up for working people who don't have conservation easements. The cost of public services grows here, and because we don't have state income tax or corporate tax or a tax on people selling their homes, the way to pay for it is through property taxes, which are paid mostly by working-class people, not the wealthy, like Mr. Actorman. Rich people are pushing working people out with impunity, using government tools to do it, while increasing their personal wealth. That's just one of many ways we see the Old West today. In future episodes, we'll explore the morality of this setup. If true religion is taking care of widows and orphans, how are churches supposed to fulfill their calling when the median home price is $2.2 million? And before we go, I should note that while there are no signs of change on the federal level, Teton County will be readjusting its tax rates, according to Melissa Schenkel.
2: So I have analyzed various conservation easement sales, um, and we are now going to it's approximately ten thousand dollars per acre, which is still low, still very low. Um, I, but I'm but I'm glad that it's based off of some sales that I can, you know, have the data to support where the seven cents has just kind of been languishing out there.
1: That's still lower than the going rate for properties in Teton County. Some of the wealthiest people in the world will be charged about the same as Jackie is on her affordable lot. They aren't paying market rate, but the rate reserved for government-assisted housing. Is that progress enough? I'll let you decide. I have a lot of people to thank for this episode. First, I wanna thank my financial supporters. This story took more than a month to produce in total, from research to interviews to editing. If you want to help to make more episodes like this one, visit trucepodcast.com donate. I'd love to do this show full time and you can be a part of making that happen. Other podcasts doing this kind of original work are staffed with multiple producers. On Truce, it's just me. And for the present moment, I have a full-time job, which means this can get kind of stressful. If you want to hear more content like this episode, please help out at trucepodcast.com. Thanks to Teton County Assessor Mel Schenkel, Realtor to the Stars Ryan Block, and my friend Jackie for their help. As always, I'm in debt to my brother Nick Sterren, who was my sounding board for this and basically every episode. You can view a list of my sources, including the interactive map of conservation easements in Teton County, at trucepodcast.com. Once there, you can learn more about my movies, Bringing Out Bobby and Between the Walls, and my novel Cradle Robber. Remember to leave a review in your podcasting app. It helps people find the show, and it's nice to know that someone is listening. Please tell your friends and family about Truce. And now that you're done with this episode let me encourage you to go back and check out our extensive library of over 100 previous episodes. You can hear about how multi-level marketing schemes target religious people, how the rise of communism impacted the American Christian Church, and more. This podcast is a production of Truce Media, LLC. I'm Chris Sterren, and this is Truce.